I don't know if you guys have noticed or not, but there is so much going on in the soybean market right now. I feel the need to gather my thoughts from South American weather to expanded crush capacity to dealing with what could turn into an oversupply of soybean meal. We'll start with that and see where it leads us for today's Farmer Forum. Live from inside the outer orbit of the holidays via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Paul Hughes from S&P Global, and then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Tim Barak and Steve Pitstick. Directly following the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop, I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis. Thank you so much. We're almost yeah, buddy. there, buddy. Almost oh, there. So close. So yes. close. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. 2023, one of my favorite holidays of the yep. year. I'm about ready um, to uh, go ahead and take my pants off the pants stretcher, um, yeah. and then I think I've got everything. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, stretchy pants in general, probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm thinking. You want a little elasticity. You want it to give a Absol- little bit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's just good prep. It's just common that, sense. It is. It is. Uh, and common sense are what uh, Tim Burrock and Steve Pitstick will be bringing to the Farmer Forum good at segue. the bottom of the hour. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, before that, conversation with Paul Hughes from SP Global Commodity Insights. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, I've been traveling around quite a bit i and every place i go the conversation about soybean crush about soybean oil production about soybean meal what are we going to do with it mm-hmm. it continues to come up uh and and now throw on top of that the south american growing season with some challenges and it creates a pretty dynamic market now it's not doing a whole lot today but uh, nonetheless, there's a lot happening in this bean market. And I just want to take some time and have a morning conversation about what mm-hmm. is happening there. We'll do that with Paul Hughes coming up here in just a little bit. That's a great All right, idea. let's get I'll to the it. news. What do you got, man? Well, I've got some daily export sales to report. Excellent. I've got 110,000 metric tons of SRW wheat to China during the 23-24 marketing year. And I've also got 128,000 metric tons of corn to unknown destinations during the 23-24 marketing year, Chip. Yeah, uh, the unknown is interesting, uh, especially mm-hmm. since it's a 128. That means that it's two cargoes of the big boats, the 64,000 oh. metric ton boats. That indicates to me that it it, it it puts China in the running mm-hmm. uh, for to be the buyer of that corn. It really does. Well, uh, the uh, National Weather Service expects widespread rainfall and locally heavy heavy rain along the East Coast, and that's expected to taper off by this evening. Accumulating snow today across northern New England, and especially over northern Maine, a white Thanksgiving is on tap for northern and central Rockies as Arctic air intrudes the northern tier of the country on Thanksgiving Day into Friday. Yeah, we've got some cooler temperatures coming, no question about it. Um, The... uh, uh, the travel issues. I don't know how they decide on saying, you know, you're traveling for Thanksgiving if you go more than 55 miles. I don't know how they do that. So I'm going to be part of that later this afternoon. But it looks like everything is off to a running start here this morning. Well, accumulating snow across New England and uh, northern Maine, that sounds like a Hallmark movie just waiting to happen. Chip? Great. And livestock markets will trade normal hours today. Markets and government offices are closed on Thursday tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Chip, traditionally, the Friday following Thanksgiving is one of the least active trading days in the year. Traders likely to leave their posts early today to take advantage of the extended holiday break. Yeah, and there's an abbreviated session on Friday. Hmm. There's not going to be a whole lot of volume in that. Ag bankers in the United States Midwest have reported lower incomes for farmers heading into this year's fall harvest due to falling output prices and high production costs, this according to a third-quarter survey by the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. This chip as Deere & Company report disappointing results, and they will also report an expectation that profits at that company may fall by more than $8 billion in 2024. Wow. 
The National Corn Growers and 16 state-affiliated associations joined more than 140 allied national, regional, and state commodity organizations opposing changes to USDA disaster relief. <laughs> the groups sent a letter to Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack relaying their concerns with the design of the Emergency Relief Program, or ERP, for 2022. Yeah, that's one of the topics that I mentioned to Steve and Tim that I would like to talk about. Well, Chip, home buying affordability sits near its lowest level in decades, pushing many buyers out of the market. Existing home sales for the full year in 2023 are on track to be the lowest since 2011, with October sales following lower than expected. Lack of housing inventory and the highest mortgage rates in a generation continue to weigh on the market. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ongoing drought in Central America could reduce Panama Canal transit capacity from the current 60% to 45% by early 2024, resulting in higher shipping costs, extended voyages, and diminished tanker availability. This, according to Energy Alliance Group. And Chip, the canal is crucial for shipments of U.S.-sourced liquefied petroleum gases, uh, nat gas liquids, and route to uh, the Asia-Pacific region. Yeah. So kind of something to kind of something to look at here. Oh, it absolutely is. And, you know, they use fresh water from a lake to basically flush those boats through. So it's... It, it, it is a kind of a dire situation that we're looking at down there on the Panama Canal. All right. Thank you so much, Davis. Yep. Let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop, with some perspective on a reoccurring challenge that ag retailers deal with. Hey, Chip. Good morning and a happy early Thanksgiving to everyone. Just wanted to highlight something today. When I talk to ag retailers, a reoccurring top challenge for them and managing their business is labor. And I even uh, have a story where I was talking to a, a grain elevator manager and they had to bring on about 40 seasonal employees, half of which did not even show up on day one. And they, they got through their season and they had some challenges, but they even thought, that this is kind of okay and this is normal. And I just highlight that anecdote because it really puts a spotlight on the labor challenges that those who serve farmers are having. So we had on our Scoop podcast that a recent interview with the HR manager at the Equity, which is a a co-op located in Effingham, Illinois. And in 2023, for the first time, they brought on 20 seasonal H-2A workers. Now, this workforce uh, came to the United States. They had a a 10-month limit on their terms of employment, and they had to be doing work on a farm for a farmer. And the Equity really sees this as a strong resource to be able to tap to help fill their own seasonal labor needs. So much so that they are going to more than double their workforce via the H-2A visa program and bring on 48 team members with that program. They've extended an offer for all 20 that came in 23 and all 20 have accepted. So a success for them in how they're trying to fill this great need of ag labor and how ag retailers serve their farmers. Excellent, Margie. Thank you. Get the full story on how H2A fits into the ag retailers labor needs in the latest The Scoop podcast. Next up, Paul Hughes, S&P Global Commodity Insight. The Scoop on AgriTalk is brought to you by Tyrannus, moving the acre forward. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Every acre tells a story, but to hear it, you need the right tools. Tyrannus Acre Forward Intelligence turns leaf-level data into actionable insights. Read your fields from the palm of your hand. Make decisions with more certainty and speed than ever before. And have a more informed discussion with your retailer to preserve your hard-earned farm legacy, season after season. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Advanced Acre RX from Winfield United is the full-season agronomic prescription program that's got farmers talking. Providing extra protection through a service warranty, making yields more uniform over time. The Advanced Acre RX program is turning risk into reward. To hear what farmers have to say, visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. 
Agreement is required and conditions, restrictions, and service fees apply. Percentage goals for the APH crop yield range from 95 to 105% for corn and 95 to 100% for soybeans. Due to factors outside of Winfield United's control, results to be obtained cannot be predicted or guaranteed by Winfield United. Results may vary. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. We're not saying Bravant Seeds could beat every seed brand out there. We're just saying that a new way of doing things backed by constant innovation. Over 100 years of ag experience, science and service, one of the world's largest libraries of corn germplasm and utilizing the expertise that can only come from local ag retail has led Bravant Seeds to average more bushels per acre than the competition every year we've sold seed. That's all. Bucking the status quo. That's the Bravant Seed Standard. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Agritalk is brought to you by Bravant Seeds. You want someone who knows how to do the whole job. That's what ag retailers do. That's why Bravant Seeds are available only through retailers. Find yours at bravant.com slash retail. Welcome back to Agritalk on this day before Thanksgiving 2023. Glad that you are with us. Um, it's, I think this is an important conversation that we're about to have. Number one, it'll set the stage for some of the Farmer Forum conversation that we're going to have coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, but number two, I just need to gather my thoughts on what is happening in the soy complex and helping us to do that right now. Paul Hughes, Chief Agricultural Economist and Director of Research at S&P Global Commodity Insights. Paul joins us right now. Paul, it's good to speak with you. How are you? I am doing great, Chip. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Excellent. Thank you, and same to you. Uh, Paul, it, the, uh, the, the soy complex right now, when I look back at the October crush data, uh, and, and I'm thinking primarily of the NOPA, but it was the, the National Association, excuse me, National Oilseed Processors Association, Looking at that data, the biggest crush month ever for them. The the expansion in the crush capacity seems to be real and seems to be having an effect on demand for beans, domestic demand for beans. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, without question. Uh, you know, the, we're in the process of, of uh, a significant multi-year expansion in crush capacity here in the U.S., which by our calculation is going to see crush by the end of 2025 up about 25% Jeez. from what it was in 2022 or so. Okay. Where, where does that get us to on total bushels crushed? Yeah, so that is going to be a bit unclear, but we do yeah. believe that um, um, I'm just going to try and do the calculation in my head is that north north of 25, uh, 2.5, 2.6 billion bushels yeah. of, uh, is, is, is a likely crush by uh, or capacity yeah. by, by 2025 or so. Yeah, yeah. As you said, a significant increase over 2022, which was a record. 
for our for our crush and here we are i mean we're we're pushing past that now and and on our way to even bigger things now in that nopa crush data for october crush was was up from a year ago up from the previous month but soybean oil stocks were down for a sixth consecutive week that excuse me for a sixth consecutive month that normally wouldn't make sense to me paul explain that how does that happen well there is a is there is large large offtake of soybean oil from the biofuels industry um you know both in renewable diesel and the traditional uh biodiesel and, and that's where a, a large large portion of the soybean oil is going okay refiners are they still committed to the renewable diesel well it's i mean it's a good really good question because they've been a bit of whiplash i would say through the policies uh that are embedded in the uh, the rfs the renewable fuel standard uh, when they set those renewable volume obligations uh, in in mid 2023 uh, and they've been set now you know, through the end of 2025, they were a little disappointing. Matter of fact, more than a little yeah. disappointing uh, to the industry. And you know, so the it it kind of seems like there's been a bit of a policy uh, a pause or slowdown. Uh, but um, but ultimately, you know, there's a lot of things aside from policy that is also um, yeah you know pushing pushing the refiners here. Yeah, and and the federal the RFS. Uh, mandates are one thing, but for the renewable diesel, a lot of this is driven by state uh, requirements, right? That is, yeah, that is a fact. Yeah. So you look at what's going on in California and, and uh, well, the whole West Coast, you got to include Oregon and Washington mm -hmm. in that as well. But even in the Midwest, uh, Minnesota is pushing the renewable diesel uh, issue very very much as well so the the state incentives are an important part of uh, of this issue as well let's jump to sustainable aviation fuel because last week i was down at uh, kansas city had an opportunity to sit in on a press conference with uh, secretary vilsack uh, usda secretary vilsack and sustainable aviation fuel came up again. And, boy, you you can see the excitement in Vilsack when he speaks about sustainable aviation fuel. And he says it's a 36-billion-gallon market going forward. Um, it almost feels like a be-careful-what-you-ask-for situation here, Paul. Yeah, you know, the, the scale in which we consume motor fuels, whether it's diesel fuel or aviation fuel okay. versus, say, for instance, the, the amount of vegetable oils or animal fats or anything like that that we're producing is, I mean, it's extraordinary. It's, it's, uh, it's almost a 10 to 1 sort of ratio. Now, sustainable aviation fuel, there's a lot of talk that they, that may be derived from corn-based ethanol, uh, which which you know, gets us away from the um, the the oils and fats uh, yeah. solely supplying it, but uh, there's no question this is this is represents really potential significant demand growth for yeah. uh, agricultural commodities. Yeah, no question about it. No question. You know, and I think you're right. I think when the the SAF conversation started, there was a lean toward the glycerins. Uh, the um, the you know uh, something made from soybean oil mm -hmm. uh, but it has moved over to an ethanol to jet conversation hasn't it 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 has and it's i would say it's yet to be seen exactly what the you know what's the going to be the dominant path for sustainable aviation fuel what seems less uncertain or more certain is that sustainable aviation fuel is a, is a thing of the future and, yeah. and uh 
But yeah. you know what the feedstock will be is is kind of yet to be determined. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. Um, as, as we talk about all this demand for the soybean oil, it leaves the the question of what are we going to do with all the soybean meal? Um, the, the different market development forces out there are are working hard to make sure that there's a home for that soybean meal, if not in the U.S. In, in an overseas market, correct? Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, in in the here and now, uh, yeah. in the very short term, soybean meal export demand from the U.S. is is really strong. But that's that's a short term thing, and associated with the the extraordinarily poor crop that Argentina had last year, and we're getting down to the end of their crop year. So, uh, presumably, that that export pull will be start to have more competition from South America once we get into, let's just say, you know, early Q2 next year. However, longer term, as U.S. continues to crush beans for soybean oil, the question is, as you asked, is, you know, what, where's the meal go? So it's, I would say it's unclear from our standpoint exactly where it goes. A couple of things I would say that seem seem clear to us is one it is a it is a nice tailwind for the animal feeders particularly poultry and and hogs here in the US and should make those you know that those meat exports rather competitive versus other parts of the uh, world because the animal feed uh, components should be cheaper as in as in cheaper soybean meal yeah. uh, the other side of it is is the export of the soybean meal, but as as you know, the you know it's not like the U.S. soybean industry to this point has really been designed to export meal. We don't have huge crushing uh, facilities at ports like Argentina would have, for instance. Right. So, um, you know, there's some lo- logistical challenges for the industry to export all of that meal. Yeah, yeah, and it's boy. It, to generate that kind of incentive to to move some crushers closer to port facilities, it would boy we we're already talking about a major disruption to the soybean market. If if we see enough incentive to start doing that, Paul, it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be adding on. There is no question about it. Paul, great conversation, sir. Thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving. All my pleasure. Have a good day. Excellent. That's Paul Hughes, Chief Agricultural Economist and Director of Research at SNP Global Commodity Insights. Okay, what does all this mean about producers' plans for bean acres versus corn acres in the year ahead and in the years ahead? We'll discuss that next on the Farmer Forum. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. There's danger out there. It lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Chip, you've always talked about uh, never trust a soybean oil-led rally. I'm going to go over to WTI. <laughs> We're down like three bucks in the nearbys, and uh, soybean meal and soybean oil have done the old flippity flu. Put some yep. pressure on bean futures. Yeah, yeah. You know, that narrative, as we just talked about with, uh, with Paul, we got to change that attitude you have to focus on what's going on in the soybean oil trade to get a good idea where the soy complex is going and soybean oil is lower today with the uh with pressure from the crude oil market 
and soybeans and soybean oil seem to have linked up again. So the lower oil trade is putting some pressure on soybeans. Soybean meal is actually trading to the upside and strong gains in the nearby contracts versus even some slight losses in the deferred uh, soybean meal market makes me think that there's a little bit of demand getting done right now. Um, had 128,000 corn sold to unknown, as you mentioned in the news. That helped to provide a little bit of support for the corn market here this morning. And wheat is starting to work to the upside. I think it's some spillover support from those slight gains in corn. And we also had the SRW sale to China that uh, that you reported earlier. Well, a rarity here, live cattle moving higher alongside corn. Right. Uh, it's... Uh, does not happen all that often. Mixed trade in the feeder cattle market, but those gains in the live cattle. I look at the beef movement that we had yesterday at basically steady money. It was outstanding movement. I might be starting to bring in some ideas of some strength in the cash market. Lean hogs trading mixed here at mid-morning. That's our very own Chip Flory on Markets Now, AgriTalk. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report, the only weekend television show that features some of agriculture's biggest names. From custom commentary from John Phipps to the stories of antique iron with Machinery Pete to a list of more than 30 marketing analysts, our weekly program focuses on the topics that matter most to you. We invite you to join us each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Snakes. Zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. AgriTalk is brought to you by Advanced Acre RX from Winfield United, the comprehensive customized program that's paying off at operations across America. Visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. Welcome back to AgriTalk and this week's Farmer Forum. We've got Steve Pitstick from Northern Illinois on the line with us. Steve, welcome back to the show, man. How are you? Hey, good morning, Chip. Uh, bringing, coming to you straight from the combine, just in the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> Love it, suburbs I, of. I always I, enjoy your yeah. your uh, your media posts. You know, of the combine rolling through small town Illinois up there. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm about 30 miles from downtown Chicago right now, probably in the last field that's farmed uh, on the way into town. So it's a challenge is moving. It's, uh, it's lots of fun. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What are you finding up there, Steve? Uh, kind of like everybody else. Corn above expectations and soybeans were just kind of average. Nothing exciting. Okay. All right. Let's bring in Tim Burrock from Northeast Iowa. Tim, welcome back. How are you? I am well. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. And I'm a long ways from Chicago. I see <laughs> a little traffic, and that's about it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, how'd harvest go for you, Tim? Harvest, it, the actual getting it done went really well. The yields yeah. were actually disappointing, really, where I live. And in my general region, we were 30 to 50 below APH on corn, you know, 20 on beans. And then as you moved five miles east, they were really good. They were APH or better. So yeah. uh, spotty, terribly spotty. Yep. You know, and, and you and I are about 40 miles apart. And there's that 20 mile strip in there that, it, and you're on the the eastern edge of it, but it's about 20 miles wide. That things just were not good. We missed a lot 
a lot of rains that got picked up in north central and and just a little bit to the east of us and speaking of missing rains tim two one hundredths of an inch of rain in waterloo in the month of november that doesn't make me feel good about you know storing some water away for next year no and and it is dry, and maybe we're in Elwyn Taylor's multi-year drought. But let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm tiling, laying tile. It is the most perfect conditions in 30 years of tiling that I've seen. And wow. We did lay a series of a pattern yesterday and the day before and actually had a little water running out the end. So that really? surprised me. But yeah. the ground don't stick. You open up your ditch. You don't slip. You don't get stuck. <laughs> everything is perfect <laughs> yeah you know i don't know if oh, perfect I'm, I'm, tiling I'm, I'm optimistic <laughs> you yeah, are i'm optimistic for the future <laughs> i guess i guess pit it'll, stick it'll i don't rain know or, it'll rain or it it don't matter yeah pit stick i don't know if uh perfect tiling conditions should get a guy all that excited or not no we're really dry too here we had seven tenths uh, yesterday, uh, today would be the last day of harvest if we didn't get to take yesterday off. But uh, it's going to extend past Thanksgiving because of that. But I'll take the rain. We need to uh, build back the reserves. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Okay, um, have either of you guys, and Tim, you'll probably be the one that would be in a position to feel it the most. Have you felt the influence of this increase in the crush capacity out there yet, Tim? So all my beans have shifted from the Mississippi River to the Shell Rock. Really? Soybean crushing plant. Yep. I, mean, I don't know if it's due to, I mean, the export market's there, if it's due to low river and freight, or if it's just due to the oil demand that, that, uh, exists because of you know the, the bio and renewable diesel but you know i'm kind of it's about 45 miles one way and 450 miles the other way so it's five miles farther to the shell rock plant but it's level versus going in the hills so it's yeah. it's uh it's it, 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 it's that's a chance that's a trend change chip oh. That's a huge trend change. No, that is a major change in in how this bean market in in Eastern Iowa is functioning and is shifting. It, it Tyler and I will start is. delivering there in December. Okay, all right. What about you, Steve? Are you feeling any of the influence of the expanded crush? Not really here. Our primary market in northeast Illinois is the river, the last stop on the Illinois River. Uh, as you go south, then it, uh, you get into crust plants and west. So, you know, the rising tide is helping all of us. Yeah. 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 No question about it. Well, what about those low water levels? Um, it has that, that, that's hurt your basis, hasn't it? Yeah, it's definitely hurt the basis, but it's starting to come back a little bit now, seeing some export demand. Things are perking up. Uh, a month ago, you know, it was looking pretty bleak. Uh, the corn market still looks pretty bleak. Uh, I do have some optimism with the soybeans, but uh, hopefully in the corn we can make it up with bushels. Right, right. That's what we always try to do. Okay, so you guys have done a great job of kind of setting the stage here now. We've got the the expanded crush capacity. We talked with Paul about the renewable diesel market and how the refiners seem to be committed to it. What does this mean for your acreage mix in 2024, Tim? It it doesn't change mine at all. I'm pretty much 50-50 anyway, maybe 55-45. So, uh, and I even grow a few beans on beans. So, uh, it doesn't really change it. Okay, what about you, Steve? Any change there? Um, actually, with the bean market, the differential, we were talking about going back a little bit more corn. We're not getting the bean yields that we need. Uh, maybe it's climate in this area. I'm not sure what it is, but maybe going back a little bit more corn. What if this, anything happens in Brazil, this bean market gets uh, 
optimistic again. We may uh, stay at that 50-50 level. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What? In Mr. That, now, that, that yeah. was for – yeah, go ahead, Tim. Mr. Rootworm has as much influence on uh, rotation in my area as anyone. Yeah, same here. Interesting. So here I am focused on – on beans and and market incentives, and you guys are both telling me that agronomic issues are probably going to outweigh that. Is what is that what you just said, Tim? I did. And when you yeah. saw one of the fields I picked this year, you'd understand. <laughs> A little tough, huh? That's why they're glad they have guidance. It, it yeah. was a surprise. It didn't show up last year, but man, did it! Did they move in? Wow. Wow. Okay. So, you know, we talk about the renewable diesel and the in, the impact that that's having on demand. It's not going to have much of an impact on your acreage selection for next year. Longer term, I would venture to say that, that I'm going to get the same answer on that. And then we slipped into that conversation about ethanol to jet. Tim, I know that's got you excited. You know, it does. And if, if we want to have a conversation about the future, I think we got to go to South America and look how, if they weren't having a drought, our markets would be different and how they are capturing the world export markets. And I hate to tell Steve that, but that Illinois River could become a, 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 a you know, a very poor market down the road as they expand soybean and now corn. And so we have got to figure this out to get ethanol to jet. There was a company that came to Corridors last week and said, if you don't get your ethanol decarbonized, we're not going to be able to use it. Yeah. And then they're a company that's in the ethanol to jet business. So uh, the potential is there. You heard it. You've heard Vilsack. You know, I heard you say earlier on the show, be afraid of what you ask for. I'm not afraid. I'm asking. We need it because we're the South America is is uh, their potential is just as great as what they've already done. All it takes yeah. is more capital investment. Steve, there's so many things that go into weighing your longer term plans, and what Tim's talking about with Brazil's potential, it uh, it, it it Tim's right. Tim's right, but I remember. Oh, man, it must have been 1998, maybe 99. Everybody was all shook up about, you know, it's just a matter of time until Brazil outproduces us on soybeans. Well, it took about 20 years to make that happen. So the expansion that is in place, how much do you think about that when you're making long-term plans, Steve? So I guess I thought about it more when I was younger, as I get up in age, closer to your uh, status. I, I think everything works out somehow. It ebbs and flows, but you know, we figure it out. Uh, the demand comes from where it's at. We've got to continue to grow our operations in size uh, just to keep up the cost of living, cost of machinery, and all that. Um, but, yeah, I think there's the market adapts and finance changes. Those big players uh, know where the market is, kind of focus on it, uh, just kind of make things happen. Uh, yeah. You know, the associations do it too. We focused on uh, ethanol. You know, you think about that 20 yeah. years ago, where that from and how that grew. It, it really saved us in this yeah. industry. It came out about the same time that uh, high yielding corn came out. Yep. And, and that market kind of matched up. You know, what's the next thing that's going to happen? Exactly, exactly. Well, Steve, we need to take a break here real quick. We're in the middle of the Farmer Forum. Tim Burrock from Iowa, Steve Pitstick from Illinois. This is Andrew McCray, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. 
Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Dr. Stuart Pierce, veterinarian and owner of Kinetic Vet in Lexington, Kentucky, joins me right now. Dr. Pierce, talk to me about Recover. What is it? Recover is an FDA-approved pharmaceutical. It's an injectable product specifically approved for both cattle, cattle and two sectors in the cattle industry, both feedlot, calves, feedlot, and the dairy and also horses. It's for diseases that have a histamine component and we use it as an injectable for those diseases. Okay, it's an injectable. And talk to me about the importance of adding it to a treatment regime for some of those wet lung diseases that are out there. Specifically, recovers used mostly in cattle with pneumonia and those specific diseases in pneumonia where the lungs are raspy, there's a wet cough, and we add recover to our existing treatment regimen like an antibiotic or a uh, banamine type of fever reducer and we add an antihistamine on it to well round the treatment protocol when we're pulling the sick cattle. Gotcha. Is there a withdrawal period for either the milk or before that animal goes to slaughter? Yeah, there's a four-day, which is really, really, really short because most antibiotics have a 28-day, some of them more than that. But four-day slaughter withdrawal for uh, cattle and a milk withdrawal is 24 hours after the last milking. So you have to discard the milk. Gotcha. Okay, where can we go for more information on this? You can go to our website. It's uh, www.com kineticvet.com that's k-i-n-e-t-i-c v-e-t.com outstanding uh, with some information there on a product called recover dr stuart pierce veterinarian and owner of kinetic vet in lexington kentucky the port of grace harbor exports about three million tons annually and the expectations are with the expansion that we'll be growing that by about a factor of two. So looking at potentially six million tons in the years to come. The United Soybean Board is behind rebuilding the infrastructure system across the United States because it helps us to be more reliable on air infrastructure, moving the soybeans from the farm down to the final customer. As we have increased economies of scale, for export and improved infrastructure for bringing soy to elevators and soy meal from the elevator to the port. Investment towards that all means dollars back in farmers' pockets. Learn more at unitedsoybean.org. AgriTalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk and the Farmer Forum. 
We are in the middle of a conversation with Tim Burak from Iowa, Steve Pitstick from Illinois. Uh, you guys, you know, Tim, your comment about I'm asking for it. Let's bring on uh, the sustainable aviation fuel and, and ethanol to jet. It got me thinking about the lifeline or the, the timeline for ethanol and what it looks like without the sustainable aviation fuel. I think there's more life to it than in, in the automobile fuel than what a lot of people are, are thinking. You, you guys saw what Ford is doing. They're going to go ahead and build that that EV battery plant in Michigan, but they scaled it back by 40% just simply because Ford is, is being less optimistic about EV sales going forward. Well, that, to me, extends the, the timeline for ethanol in, in automobile fuel, doesn't it, Tim? I would agree, Chip, and uh, hopefully Ford scales it back some more. Yeah. Um, you know, if we can get, uh, you know, high compression, uh, high-octane engines, you know, get these hybrids going, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a great future for ethanol in the liquid fuels. I mean, we get E15 nationwide. That'd be great. Yeah. But getting them, we've, we've been fighting for them for years, and we don't have them yet. Are we closer? Yes. But but the sustainable aviation fuel is the you know the shining light on the hill if we can get there. Yeah. Then we yeah. don't have to worry about exports. <laughs> You're exactly right there. Um, you also mentioned, Tim, decarbonization of the ethanol. Uh, obviously that's a controversial issue here in Iowa. I don't think, well, I shouldn't say it that way. The methods of decarbonizing ethanol are, are controversial because of the pipelines. Uh, what's the latest that you've heard on it? I haven't picked up really much lately. Uh, I, I actually had a visit with the North Dakota governor uh, a week ago. He stopped in the shop. And he said that uh, North Dakota is going to get the pipeline permitted. He said, we've already got, I forgot how many thousands of miles in two pipelines of CO2. He said, we've been doing it for 14 years in one, three years in the other. Nobody has any problem with it. There's never been any accidents, never been anybody injured or killed from a CO2 pipeline. He said, they've been perfectly fine. So, and I think Iowa probably will permit theirs and then South Dakota comes and it's, it's important that it happens. I understand there's people opposed, but someone I think is at 75% now of the right of way people have signed up. So that's Mm a 75% vote super majority. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. What's your take on, on what's going on with the pipelines, the CO2 pipelines, uh, Steve? So, yeah, it's really not a big deal. Not much talked about in Illinois, and not especially not in my part of the country. But right. I've been following it closely, just because yeah, it is important uh, to decarbonize that uh, that product if, if the jet fuel industry is where it's going to go. But uh, I, yeah, yeah, interesting space. Yeah, what's the best way to do it? Is it real? Is it driven by 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 uh, tax incentives, what's yeah. the real story behind it? I think. Right, gotcha, gotcha. Are either of you guys having to deal with the emergency relief program, the ERP for t- 2022, Tim? I am not. Okay, good. What about you, Steve? Yeah, me. Nope. Okay. Well, good. It sounds like it's a complete mess. An absolute mess, but, but, and the, the reason that I bring it up is because it's the greater your losses over your covered amounts, the less you're getting paid. So basically it is a, it's a process now that's picking winners and losers. I saw Vilsack last week, as I mentioned earlier, talking about this new ag economy that is, is based on micro farms locally grown uh, it it is a big change from what we are are used to in an ag economy right now and it includes uh, 
the solar panels and wind farms and, you know, you guys selling electricity into the system, um, it it's a complete revamping of the ag economy. Uh, what do you make of it, Tim? Um, <laughs> it, I, it sounds good, but it won't probably, it'll probably be highly inefficient and ineffective in the end. You're trying to reverse an economic trend. Yeah. And that's to larger, bigger, more efficient. And, you know, it's hard to do. So, yeah. you know, you spend enough money, throw enough money at it. You can do it for a while, just like tariffs. You know a lot of things, but it, it, to me, it, I uh, I know they'd like to see it, but I think it's going to be hard. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Steve, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I the, the whole solar thing. I like the idea of it. Uh, I just think it's not necessarily placed in the right areas. You know, at the end of the day, we're replacing one form of solar collection for another. Yeah. You know, our crops are the best solar collectors we have. And uh, why are we taking prime farmland out of production to uh, put solar cells that could be put on wasteland, on top of buildings, things like that? So that focus is uh, a little bit challenging. Yep. Yep. Outstanding. Good thoughts, guys. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Tim. Appreciate you. We'll talk with you soon. Same to you, Chip. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. I like your stretch pants idea. Yeah, yeah, I knew you would. I knew you would. You can get on that. <laughs> Stretch pants for the win. <laughs> Steve, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Hey, Jim, happy Thanksgiving. Hope to see you soon in the media circuit. You bet. Sounds good. All right. That is Tim Burrock from Iowa. Steve Pitstick from Illinois. Come back this afternoon. Going to have a conversation with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net tomorrow morning. We'll hear some of the other conversations that I had last week at the NAFB convention. Moving Day, a walk for Parkinson's, is happening around the country more than just a walk. Moving Day is a fun experience that unites the community in the fight against Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's doesn't stop, and neither will we. So let's get moving. Join the Parkinson's Foundation to learn more and register for an event in your area at movingdaywalk.org. That's movingdaywalk.org. This fall, help your dry fertilizer grow farther with Titan XC. By increasing the availability of applied nutrients, Titan XC makes your dry fertilizer program more efficient and effective, meaning you can increase your yields while keeping money in your pocket. Ask for Titan XC on your dry fertilizer today and grow farther next season. Available exclusively from Nutrient Ag Solutions. Contact your local Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant for more information. Always read and follow label directions.